The French Revolution, A History, by Thomas Carlyle, Volume 3, The Guillotine, Book 2, Regicide, Chapter 3, Discrowned. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Peter Dan. Book 2, Chapter 3, Discrowned. But the question more pressing than all on the legislator as yet is this third, what shall be done with King Louis? King Louis, now King and Majesty to his own family alone, in their own prison apartment alone, has been Louis Capet and the traitor Vito with the rest of France. Shut in his circuit of the temple, he has heard and seen the loud whirl of things, yells of September massacres, Brunswick war thunders dying off in disaster and discomfiture. He, passive, a spectator merely, waiting whither it would please to whirl with him. From the neighbouring windows, the curious, not without pity, might see him walking daily at a certain hour in the temple garden with his queen, sister and two children, all that now belongs to him in this earth. Quietly he walks and waits, for he is not of lively feelings and is of a devout heart. The wearied irresolute has at least no need of resolving now. His daily meals, lessons to his son, daily walk in the garden, daily game at ombre or draughts, fill up the day. The morrow will provide for itself. The morrow indeed, and yet how, Louis asks, how? France, with perhaps still more solicitude, asks how? A king dethroned by insurrection is verily not easy to dispose of. Keep him prisoner. He is a secret centre for the disaffected, for endless plots, attempts and hopes of theirs. Banish him. He is an open centre for them. His royal war standard, with what of divinity it has, unrolls itself, summoning the world. Put him to death? A cruel, questionable extremity, that too. And yet the likeliest in these extreme circumstances of insurrectionary men whose own life and death lie staked, Accordingly, it is said, from the last step of the throne to the first of the scaffold, there is a short distance. But on the whole, we will remark here that this business of Louis looks altogether different now, as seen overseas and at the distance of forty-four years, than it looked then in France, and struggling, confused all round one. For indeed it is a most lying thing, that same past tense always so beautiful, sad, almost Elysian sacred, in the moonlight of memory, it seems, and seems only. For observe, always, one most important element is surreptitiously, we not noticing it, withdrawn from the past time, the haggard element of fear. Not there does fear dwell, not uncertainty nor anxiety, but it dwells here, haunting us, tracking us, running like an accursed ground discord through all the music tones of our existence, making the tense a mere present one. Just so is it with this of Louis. Why smite the fallen, asks magnanimity, out of danger now? He has fallen so low, this once high man, no criminal nor traitor, how far from it, but the unhappiness of human solecisms, whom, if abstract justice had to pronounce upon, she might well become concrete pity and pronounce only sobs and dismissal. So argues retrospective magnanimity, but pusillanimity, present, prospective? 
reader, thou hast never lived for months under the rustle of Prussian gallows ropes. Never wert thou a portion of a national Sahara waltz. Twenty-five millions running distracted to fight Brunswick. Knights errant themselves, when they conquered giants, usually slew the giants. Quarter was only for other knights errant who knew courtesy and the laws of battle. The French nation, in simultaneous desperate dead pull, and as if by miracle of madness, has pulled down the most dread Goliath, huge with the growth of ten centuries, and cannot believe, though his giant bulk covering acres lies prostrate, bound with peg and pack-thread, that he will not rise again, man-devouring, that the victory is not partly a dream. Terror has its scepticism, miraculous victory its rage of vengeance. Then, as to criminality, is the prostrated giant who will devour us if he rise an innocent giant? Curate Gregoire, who indeed is now Constitutional Bishop Gregoire, asserts in the heat of eloquence that kingship by the very nature of it is a crime capital, that kings' houses are wild beast dens. Lastly, consider this, that there is on record a trial of Charles I. This printed trial of Charles I is sold and read everywhere at present. Quel spectacle! Thus did the English people judge their tyrant and become the first of free peoples, which feat, by the grace of destiny, may not France now rival? Scepticism of terror, rage of miraculous victory, sublime spectacle to the universe, all things point one fatal way. Such leading questions and their endless incidental ones of September anarchists and departmental guard, of grain riots, plaintiff interior ministers, of armies, huss and fratz dilapidations, and what is to be done with Louis, beleaguer and embroil this convention which would so gladly make the constitution, rather. All which questions, too, as we often urge of such things, are in growth. They grow in every French head, and can be seen growing also very curiously in this mighty welter of parliamentary debate, of public business, which the Convention has to do. A question emerges, so small at first, is put off, submerged, but always re-emerges, bigger than before. It is a curious, indeed an indescribable sort of growth which such things have. We perceive, however, both by its frequent re-emergence and by its rapid enlargement of bulk, that this question of King Louis will take the lead of all the rest. And truly, in that case, it will take the lead in a much deeper sense. For as Aaron's rod swallowed all the other serpents, so will the foremost question, whichever may get foremost, absorb all other questions and interests, and from it and the decision of it will they all, so to speak, be born or new-born, and have shape, physiognomy and destiny corresponding. It was appointed of fate that, in this wide, weltering, strangely growing, monstrous, stupendous imbroglio of convention business, the grand first parent of all the questions, controversies, measures and enterprises which were to be evolved there to the world's astonishment should be this question of King Louis. End of Book 2, Chapter 3